This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Dave Rubin. It's the Rubin Report Direct Message on today, November 18th, 2021. I am in a great mood. Just got some great news and I'll have more to report to you on this greatness in the not too distant future. A lot of good stuff happening. Remember this moment because it's a good one. It's a good one. That's all I can say right now. We are live streaming on Rumble, on YouTube for as long as they allow us and on Blaze TV. And today we are doing a, a live Q&A, we got a couple dozen questions from the rubinreport.locals.com community. If you would like to submit a question over the course of the next half hour and possibly get me to read it live on the show, you can go to rubinreport.locals.com, the top pin post. Just put your question or comment right in there and maybe it will get to me. You never know. Uh, obviously, guys, the big stuff going on right now is that the Kyle Rittenhouse decision is likely coming today. Uh, there's a lot of craziness going on in the courtroom. The judge just barred MSNBC from the courthouse because apparently they sent a producer that followed the jurors after they closed up shop yesterday and people were leaving and they followed the juror van or something. I mean, really, really crazy stuff. This, this whole trial uh, between some of the stuff that the prosecution has done, the way the media has covered it, the whole thing has been absolutely crazy. Uh, suffice to say, since we don't have a decision right now, uh, I'm not gonna comment on comment on it any further today. Obviously tomorrow we're doing our weekly roundup. We'll hopefully have a decision by then and God willing there won't be utter chaos all over uh, Wisconsin and hopefully uh, you know the rest of the country, we'll, we shall see. But anyway, we'll comment more about it then. Uh, but before I get to the Q&A, uh, I did wanna do one story because Bill Maher, who I often talk about, and Bill Maher I would say has been the standard bearer of the left, of liberalism in America, for almost three decades now. I mean, the guy's been doing it for a long time. People think of Real Time with Bill Maher, which has been on for about 20 years or so. Uh, but he had a show on ABC before that called Politically Incorrect. That was a round table, comedians and political people and pundits and journalists arguing about politics. He had that show for about 10 years before that. It got canceled right after 9-11 after he said some stuff. So he's been through cancel culture. Anyway, Bill Maher, I would say, is an old school liberal uh, who suddenly does seem to be getting red-pilled. And what I've been trying to get Bill to do, because I know a lot of the producers watch this show, what I've been trying to show them is that Bill just needs to kind of take that last final step. Well, in any event, Bill was on Chris Cuomo's show on CNN last night, and he was making a whole lot of sense. Um, but can he get to the end conclusion? That's the question. Here's a clip from last night. A quick question. Woke. The response from the people that you put it on will say, no. Uh, woke is aware and inclusive, and there is no cancel culture. It's just accountability. These are not bad things. They are good things. Disagree. 
Well, woke, yes. I mean, I, I don't remember the day the term was born, uh, although I, I hear uh, AOC says only old people use it now. Well, you gave it to us <laughs> like five years ago. So sorry we didn't get the memo right away. You know, that's such a high school thing. We're not using that anymore. <laughs> we all wear pink on Wednesdays. Okay, you whatever term you want. Uh, I don't care. Uh, again, I just got used to this one. And yes, in its best sense, if we're talking about um, being aware of things that we always should have been aware of more, reckonings that we've had with uh, sexual malfeasance, with racial injustice, that's all a good thing. But there's a reason why the term woke has come to uh, signify going too far and doing things that don't make sense. I keep saying this to the Democratic Party. The reason why you are so toxic is because you have become the party of no common sense. And people see this on their news feeds. I mean, you were saying to me in the break, people mostly go on with their lives. They do, but they see things on their phone or on their Facebook page. People pass things around. And it's a constant drip, drip, drip of, oh, these people are nuts. All right, Bill Maher, I want to give credit where credit is due. Yes, you are right. The Democratic Party has become the party of no common sense. You are an outsider in your own party. And by the way, I think it's quite a lofty goal for people to fight for their true principles within their own party, right? For many, many years, I still considered myself on the left and I was a liberal on the left saying, hey, you wokesters and progressives, you're, you guys are out of control. But they just kept coming and coming and they've destroyed the party. I mean, show me a Democrat politician, please. I ask for this all the time and I, I don't mean it sarcastically actually. Show me a Democrat politician who Bill Maher could vote for that vote for that is actively trying to stop wokeness, that is against identity politics. Uh, you might say, well, there's one, there's Tulsi Gabbard, except the Democrats basically hate her at this point. I like her a lot. I think she's a decent liberal. I suspect we disagree on some stuff, uh, but I know that we both love this country, but there is virtually no active, influential Democrat politician uh, that is doing any of the things that Bill Maher cares about. So, you know, a couple weeks ago, right before the Virginia election, Bill Maher was ranting and raving, rightly so, about how evil critical race theory is, and they're turning this on the parents and domestic spying, as if the parents are terrorists and all of this stuff. Um, but he didn't really tell people to vote for Glenn Youngkin. And then when Glenn Youngkin won, I don't know that Bill Maher did his show the following week, I didn't see all of it, but I don't think he got up there and said, yeah, you should have supported Glenn Youngkin, and this is a great strike against the bad guys because he thinks of himself as a good lefty Democrat. And there's, a, there's sort of like a self hostage situation happening with the last remaining liberals. And I would you know, add a couple people, and I don't mean to make this about people, but I would talk about the Barry Weisses, the Sam Harrises, the Stephen Pinkers of the world. I'm not, these are not bad people. They are trying to do something, but the flaw perhaps is simply in liberalism itself. And it pains me to say that as a guy that wrote, where is it, which shoulder? That's the right shoulder. There's a book back there, there's a couple copies over there, an entire defense of classical liberalism. But none of those ideas have anything to do with the modern Democratic Party. Believe it or not, those ideas have much more to do with the modern Republican Party. And I don't consider myself a Republican. 
You don't have to be a Republican, you just cannot be a Democrat if you believe that America's founding was good, if you believe in logic and reason and law, and you believe in individual rights. I mean, what does Bill Maher wanna do? Bill Maher wants to smoke pot. Okay, most Republicans don't care about smoking pot, leave it to the states, no big deal. He doesn't want this neo-racism of the left. Well, Republicans are fighting that all the time, virtually everywhere, Democrats are ushering it in. Now, I suppose one of the things I get, there are sort of two things, I guess, that really get the liberals to be afraid, really afraid of leaving the left. One is abortion. They seem to really, really love abortion. Um, so I get it. He doesn't want to say he's a Republican because he's definitely for abortion. And then I think there's something with a lot of them that's still very confused about the welfare state, that still we should take money from some people and give it to other people. And I would just say maybe Bill Maher needs to just read a Thomas Sowell book or have Larry Elder back on his show uh, to, to finally take the, the red pill on that. Um, but in essence, if you are a moderate liberal at this point, if you believe that anything that JFK stood for, then you are no longer a Democrat. So it's great that Bill Maher is saying what conservatives have said, right? It's great that Bill Maher is saying all these things five years too late, but if at the end conclusion, it's always, oh, but the Republicans are somehow still racist or crazy Trumpists and insurrectionists and you're gonna make all of those jokes as he still does, and those are the real bad guys, and on top of it, they're believers, right? They're religious morons, right? That's obviously not what I think, but that's clearly what he thinks. Then that's gonna be the one thing that stops him from going all the way, then he's gonna, in essence, yeah, he'll call out the things that will be fine in his circles to call out in Hollywood, but will not get people to make the final conclusion, which is we must vote out all of these people. We must get rid of the ridiculous AOCs that he talked about there. Get rid of them by the ballot box. You know, Let her go back to being a bartender. She'd be much better at that. I don't even know that she was a good bartender. I suspect she probably wasn't, but like, she'd be better at that than whatever the hell it is she's doing now. So anyway, I thought this was worth it because it's like Bill Maher, if you're watching this, or the producers, if you're watching this, you know, and I know you guys have watched, um, like, kind of shift, make the shift. You'll be okay, Bill, you got a lot of dough. You won't be hated by everybody. There's a lot of closet conservatives in Hollywood. Everything's gonna be all right. Anyway, we're gonna get to the Q&A in just a sec, but I wanna talk to you guys about Startmail. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. You pay with your privacy. Internet giants bank on, bank on exploiting your data by selling it to the highest bidder. Your business plan, Google has it. Your medical records, Yahoo can sell them to drug companies. Personally, I don't wanna open myself up to identity theft and I can't imagine you do either. That's why I suggest using Startmail. It makes email feel safe. Again, Startmail keeps email private, period. When you delete an email in Startmail, it's gone forever and Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Switching to Startmail is seamless too. You can easily transfer all your current email data so there's no starting from scratch. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks so that people can't sell your, in sell your info and they can be deleted at any time. I keep saying the way, to, the way forward is to build competitive businesses that support our privacy values, which is why I value the service that Startmail provides. Your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Take control of your privacy with Startmail before it's too late. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash Ruben. That's start with a T, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash Ruben for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash Ruben. 
And now back to me. I just want to say one more time, I just got some great news and there's a lot of good things happening in the world, people. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? All right, rubenreport.locals.com if you want to submit some more questions while we are live. Let's try to get uh, one or two live ones in, if possible. Storm says, are you worried that the Supreme Court will deem the vaccine mandates constitutional? Okay, first, let's go with the good news here, which uh, we talked about on the show yesterday. There is currently a pause on this OSHA mandate that was forcing companies with more than 100 employees to vaccinate all of their workers, okay? That, this is a great bit of news. Uh, the lawsuit was led by the Daily Wire, so uh, little applause to Jeremy Boring and Ben Shapiro and the guys over there. They fought it, they have over 100 employees. They were not going to force their employees to be vaccinated or be injected with anything that the government just wanted them to be injected with. They've got a lot of young, healthy people working over there and they were letting people make decisions for themselves. So that vaccine mandate for the companies themselves has been paused. So if you work at a company and you're, there's over 100 employees there and your company is now forcing you to do that, you are now, you should go to your HR people and say it is no longer uh, a mandate from the government. Now the company might say, hey, we're gonna do it anyway. And I think that a lot of companies will because everyone's just so caught up in all this craziness, but it is no longer mandated by the government. It's now in the courts. And until the court decision is made, it, it is not valid. It is not legit. So great job on the lawsuit. By the way, Harmeet Dillon, who I've had on the show before, who's a fantastic lawyer, she's brought lawsuits against Google that she has won. She is a friend, and I've asked her for plenty of legal advice that I've referenced on this show. Uh, she's on the show tomorrow, am I, am I right about that? She is on the show tomorrow. She is the lead lawyer on the case. Um, so am I worried that the Supreme Court will deem the vaccine mandates constitutional? Right now, we've got the courts, meaning that the courts seem to be less politically active and are trying to do things that are by the letter of the law, which is what the whole freaking judicial branch is supposed to do. So I'm, I'm somewhat confident that the courts will not force what I would view and many legal experts, I've read a bunch of briefs on this, view as wide, widely unconstitutional, right? To for, have a company force you to make a medical decision. There's many, many, many violations there, right? To privacy and, and health and all of these things. So my hope would be uh, that they will not do this, but, uh, but we shall see. Like everything's in flux right now, everything's in flux. Patrick says, do you think the metaverse and its possible global takeover will be a net positive or net negative on human civilization? So if you don't know about the metaverse, this is uh, what Facebook is trying to push us all into right now. You probably saw the video, we played it. Uh, this is where you're basically gonna wear a VR helmet, like an Oculus helmet all day long and you'll have all your meetings and you're gonna be in a Zoom meeting with all the people you work with and you're gonna be talking to a monkey and a lizard and a wizard and a whole bunch of weird things. And then, you know, you're gonna just live in this virtual planet. If you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, I would recommend watching uh, Ready Player One and then watch The Matrix. It's some combination of those two things. Look, the idea that anyone, that anyone knowing what we know now about the internet, about big tech, about the people that are running these platforms, the idea that you would follow Mark Zuckerberg, who I am fairly certain is not a human. And there was that video, we should have played it. Remember that video a while back when he was like, I am uh, not a human. I mean, I am a human. Like the guy, I don't know what's going on there, okay? But the idea that you would follow Mark Zuckerberg into an alternate reality 
is very, very bizarre. Like, it just seems so weird. And in some ways, this is why they've tried to destroy the real world. They've tried to make us all so depressed and locked in our houses and put masks on and fearful because the best place you could ever control us is in a world that's completely digital that you would be able to control everything about that world and it would and we would just sit there with our masks on eating gruel out of a bucket with probably something strapped on to our nuts like the whole thing is just like like that's where it's all going that's where it's all going people um, so i i don't think it will be good i think some people will do it i think there will be some value in it i am not against technology i mean that's the thing it's like fire does good, right? It can heat your home and it can also burn you. Like, so that's sort of what technology is. Like, could there be really cool things that we could do in the metaverse? Could doctors somehow be able to operate on patients that were half the world away because they could see in a virtual reality world? Possibly. Could there be very cool things related to video games and interactive movies and all of these things? Sure, but should we be living in this universe? This is literally what Ready Player One, the book and then the movie is about. And without, well, can I give, I mean, the movie came out years ago. If you I'm just gonna give you a little bit of the ending right now in two sentences. So if you haven't seen the movie and you're gonna see it, maybe mute for just two sentences. But in essence, at the end of the movie, now's your chance to mute. At the end of the movie, they realize, oh, we should shut this thing down for two days a week because it's too addictive. It's too all encompassing. And we shouldn't be living in a digital world that this world that we're all in right now, it's, it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad, despite what they're trying to do to it. Kathy says, how do you celebrate Thanksgiving? What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? So I love Thanksgiving. I think it is just, it's the, because it's the great American holiday. It is, it is a holiday for all Americans, doesn't matter where you come from, what you believe in, who you are, what you look like. It's our chance once a year to say thank you to this great country. Thank you for the goodness and the food on our plate and the people we're sitting with and everything else. So Thanksgiving is the one holiday that we host here. Um, so we get all of David's family here, and David's an incredible chef, as I've told you guys many times, and many people in his family, his mom and his brother and his sister, they're, they're all great chefs, so we eat spectacular food. I, I will definitely post some pictures. Um, what's my favorite Thanksgiving food? I mean, he does make an awesome turkey, like the skin's just freaking right. Um, but you like a good stuffing, there's nothing better than a good stuffing, like nothing better. If you do a stuffing, Right, like one year David's sister-in-law did like, uh, it was like a garlic challah stuffing from a challah that we had the night before. It was just absolutely incredible. I love Thanksgiving and I hope you do too. And by the way, I just taped an interview with uh, Melanie Kirkpatrick, Melanie Kirkpatrick, uh, who has done a really wonderful video on PragerU about the origins and the meaning of Thanksgiving. It's a, it's a shorter interview, it's about 25 minutes and we're gonna play that during Thanksgiving week so that we're not going hyper-political that week and that you could just learn a little bit more about the story of Thanksgiving, how it actually became a holiday, how it began, and it wasn't because the pilgrims were slaughtering the Native Americans. Actually, they were kind of doing the holiday together. A lot of interesting stuff, so we'll put that up, I believe, the Monday before Thanksgiving. Uh, Danielle says, should the Republicans make it part of their platform to reduce or even abolish altogether the administrative bureaucracies like the FBI, CDC, NIH, et cetera. They clearly have turned on us and no longer are honorable ag agencies if they ever were. You know, it's a great question. It's one of those things like these, these giant organizations that we have, these giant institutions, the Department of Education. It's like, is this thing really doing anything good or, anymore? Or would you rather that your children's education 
be dealt with by the people in your local community. So you have a little more ability to understand what your kids are learning, what ages they're learning, age appropriate things, et cetera, et cetera. Like I think most of us realize that this giant top down thing doesn't really work. As for the NIH and the CDC specifically, it's like they have completely, in my view, just blown their trust, right? Like if you go back, and I'm sure if you go back to videos that I was doing at the beginning of COVID, you know, it's like we were all trying to trust them. I'm sure that virtually everybody, I don't think that there were a ton of people, I don't really remember them, that right from beat one of all of this, when lockdowns were just starting in mass, there weren't a ton of people that were like, screw the NIH and screw the CDC and Fauci's evil and everything. We all kind of did it. Whatever we were told to do. I remember going to Whole Foods and I'd come home and I'd be wearing plastic gloves and a mask on my face and David would be wiping down paper bags. Like we all did all of the stuff. But over time, they consistently move the goalposts, which again is why we never talk about two weeks to flatten the curve. We virtually never talk about herd immunity or natural immunity. They changed all of the things that we used to know about immunity against a virus. And now it's, oh, get your uh, vaccine, get the second shot, get a booster. Oh, now two boosters. They're already thinking about a fourth booster in Israel. Like it's crazy, lunatic nonsense. And these people trot out and Fauci comes out there every week saying the reverse of what he said the week before. He never gives numbers, right? He always gives these amorphous statements. Oh, when the, um, when the numbers go down to a tolerable level, what is that number? They never wanna give you that stuff. On top of the fact that the NIH was funding the mRNA research in Wuhan, we now know that. And was there a lab leak? Like it looks like there was. Like there's so much craziness here. So I just don't think these big things work anymore. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have any organizations that are designed to you know, deal with public health, but the way that they have not only mismanaged it, but then been dishonest about the information and that nobody seems to care about the regular people. Why isn't there anyone from the CDC that's out there going, you know, we don't really wanna have to keep telling you all of these things and we don't really wanna have you wearing masks and we do feel bad and we do recognize that more people are um, dying of suicide and more people are depressed now and more people are alcoholics. Like we, we need to also talk about those things, but they don't do any of that. That has a little something to do with health, doesn't it? So yeah, we need less top-down things and more bottom-up things. Uh, Talia says, I live in Oklahoma. I have my whole life and I love it here. Over the last couple of days, I'm seeing more and more about the Oklahoma National Guard refusing the vaccine mandate and are now being threatened. What do you think we can expect from this? I want it to be a good thing. Well, first off, I mean, you know my feelings about this. If the, if the fine men and women who are in the Oklahoma National Guard do not wanna get vaccinated, uh, I have no problem with that. They are most likely young and healthy. I am sure there has been no massive outbreak with a crazy amount of deaths in the Oklahoma National Guard. The media would prefer you to think that everyone that isn't vaccinated automatically has COVID and is automatically killing people. That is just complete nonsense. So I love it when a group of people band together and say, hey, we are going to stand up for what we believe in. That's the only way we win this thing, right? Um, now it sounds like the federal government is not happy about this and they may punish Oklahoma in some way, but this is where I would say the red states primarily, but any state that wants to remain free as a state and be able to make choices for itself, and that's not really the blue states, unfortunately, any state that wants to remain free 
um, is going to have to figure out what does their National Guard do? And maybe it's gonna have to be a little bit more than we thought. Like maybe Florida and Texas and Tennessee and Oklahoma, maybe some of these states are gonna have to start having um, National Guards that are gonna have to push against the federal government a little bit. I don't know exactly what that means, and I'm not saying these people should be shooting at each other, but at some point, the blue machine, the federal machine is gonna keep encroaching on the people who are trying to live free. Uh, so we need strong um, National Guards in all of these states, and, and I wish these guys a lot of luck. Uh, Talway says, first the dogs, now Fauci's uh, NIAID funding island of monkeys, in South Carolina used for horrific maximum pain experiments. That sounds like a headline. Uh, why in the name of heaven is the left supposedly a champion of animal rights still listening to this guy and how much more is it going to take to get this guy on the charges he's earned? Right, so now, okay, so there's been some weird monkey experiments. We talked about the dog stuff that he did. I mean, really crazy stuff where he locked dogs' heads in boxes so that the dogs couldn't scratch their heads and then he put like flesh eating bugs in there. I mean, really disgusting stuff that this guy has done. I would say one of the reason the left doesn't push against him is because it's thought of as sort of pro-Democrat now because we have a Democrat president. So let's just be very clear. Imagine if Donald Trump was president right now, every single person screaming for federal mandates would be saying this is Hitler. This is Nazi style stuff that the president of the United States, Orange Hitler, is forcing companies to inject you with things. This is what the Nazis did. And this is why you have to believe in something, not just know what you're against. If you only know what you're against, you're gonna flip your opinion constantly on everything, right? Because you pick good guys and bad guys, and oh, bad guys in charge, I hate bad guy. Good guys in charge, I love good guy. He, even though good guy says same thing that bad guy said, but I like good guy, so I'm a good guy. And So none of these people are, are taking really honorable or honest positions. Um, Fauci should step down, it should be as simple as that. And actually, to that point, I interviewed Rand Paul again, we just did a little uh, mini interview about 12 minutes this morning, where we talk more about what should happen to Fauci, we also get into some of the inflation stuff and what's going on. Uh, we will put that up tomorrow. Hint, hint, he does not like Anthony Fauci. Uh, guys, before I move on, let's talk about Canva. You know, making content's an essential part of what my team and I do, but we're always trying to keep this show going and we are always looking for new ways to do it. It hasn't always been a seamless creative process from our videos, social media, our website, and our community to merchandise, business cards, and even my book cover. Our design skills have been challenged in ways we could have never imagined. Fortunately, we have recently found Canva Pro, and now we can design anything like a pro on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. Choose from thousands of templates that are easy to customize or start from scratch. Canva Pro has endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so much more that add personality and edge to whatever you're designing. Designing together has never been easier. Sharing, editing, and commenting in real time. Canva Pro helps you stay organized on the same page and on top of team projects. No more misplaced files or tedious back and forth. Plus, you and four teammates can unlock everything Canva Pro has to offer for just $12.99 a month. And with Canva Pro's content planner, you'll save time planning, creating, and posting social media content as well. Pause scheduled posts and edit them at any time. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get 45 days free with an extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, the dot me, it's back, baby. Dana says, hi, Dave. Although the OSHA vaccine mandate has been suspended, 
The company I work for, a large corporation that sells soft drinks and rhymes with Mepsi, <laughs> has decided to implement the mandate for all employees citing the OSHA rule, so I'm a single mom on the verge of losing my job that I've held for nearly 13 years. How do I fight back against this? Okay, so I, I've partly referenced, I mean, you, you should go to your HR people and say to them, you know, this is no longer a federal mandate and it's in the courts. Now I get it, the company is now making a decision and I, I, you know, I have received so many emails from people like you about this, from doctors, from nurses, literally from, from janitors, from IT people. Uh, I got an email from, a, from a, like a 16 year old girl who's not being allowed to do a, an experiment in her science class because they won't even let her in. Like crazy, crazy nonsense. This is where you as an adult um, have to make a choice for yourself and it's a horrific choice, I suppose. Uh, but it's a horrific choice that millions of people are having to make right now. So it's, you know, it's like, okay, should I uh, vaccinate my children even though there's no evidence that I should and we don't know exactly what this is gonna do and the very doctors at the FDA who approved it even said on video that they don't know what it's gonna do to kids until they give it to kids and then they'll figure it out. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a parent faced with that. I would like to believe that me as a parent uh, would say, no, I'm not letting my children be vaccinated. And if I have to move, if I have to, whatever I have to do, I, I'm not gonna allow this to be. But I get it, people have all sorts, people don't wanna just pick up and go and you've got roots places and you've got jobs and so many things and financial worries and all of these things. And that's sort of what they're preying on, right? They're trying to make everything so overwhelming, you won't know what to do. So I think you should think very serious about, about your life. Like this is a very sort of Jordan Peterson, I would, when I was on tour with Jordan, he'd get certain questions like this, like something's happening at my work or in my family that I'm really against and what do I do? And he would always say, well, you know, the easy thing is always quit your job. Well, okay, you quit your job, but now you got, and you stood up for what you believe in, but now you got a freaking huge problem because you're not making money. You don't know how you're gonna pay your rent. Like you have to really think through your life right now. Um, and I don't know exactly what to do about this. I've been trying to think about some way of doing some like mass crowdfunding thing to make sure that people who do fight back are not gonna be left out in the cold. I, it, this is seriously tough. I would say at the very minimum, you should lodge a complaint with uh, Mepsi, your HR manager over at Mepsi. And then I would say, um, find a lawyer. Like if you're willing to fight, if you're willing to take the risk, because otherwise, what is it? That you'll work at a company that will force you to be injected with things. And what will be next? What will be next that you'll have to say yes to that goes against your conscience? And I know it sucks. There's no way of saying this properly because I know it sucks and I am not pretending it's easy and I'm my own boss and the chances that I force myself to do something that I don't wanna do is, is pretty slim, right? So, so I'm not in that exact position. Um, but you gotta stand up for what you believe in. Like they, they are preying on the fact that none of us will do that. And the more we have pushed back, the fact that this lawsuit now has suspended it, even, even though Mepsi is still doing it, is it shows if you fight back that maybe, just maybe, that green all-powerful Oz guy is just some old you know, failed buffoon behind a curtain. So I, I wish you the best of luck and keep us posted, please. Fiona says, is it called stuffing or dressing? It's stuffing. I called it stuffing before, I still call it stuffing. What part of the country usually calls it dressing? Can we get some uh, information on that? I am from New York and I live in California for now. Uh, and uh, I've always called it stuffing. Sev says, will there ever be a time when we return to a post COVID America? 
Well, it certainly will not be the America that we all knew and loved. There is no going back to January 2020 when Orange Man was president and the economy was strong and all of that stuff. Like, I don't even mean to make this about politics. Like, whatever that old thing that we knew about America was, it, that is just not coming back. It's just not. And I often say to these guys who are in their 20s, my, uh, my coworkers in the room with me right now, um, it's like, you guys are gonna be the last sort of young adults that will ever remember that world. You know, if you're a teenager growing up in all of this, you're not gonna have great memories of what America used to be like. And then of course the media will always tell you that America was always evil. And then that's how that will proliferate throughout the system. You know, nobody will remember what it was like. Like I'm 45, I remember when things were normal and America was good and, and we stood up for our values in the right way. We're going through a rough patch right now. We have a really horrible administration run by a man with old person syndrome who's a puppet for God knows what. And we have a media that is fueling this nonsense and a tech world that is, is injecting it with steroids. And it, it will be hard to remember what that old good world was, but that old good world was good. You know, actually I was coming back from Nashville and uh, flying Southwest. I don't want to brag, but we did fly Southwest. And uh, I was watching um, Father of the Bride 2. It was on TNT, I think. And I was thinking as I was watching it, I was like, this was, it's, it's, first off, it's just a great simple movie. If you haven't seen Father of the Bride or Father of the Bride 2, they're just great sort of perfect quintessential Steve Martin movies. And they're, they're just great. But they're just light and fun. And it was like, they hearken back to an America that we kind of had when it was like pretty good and not everything was crazy political and things could be light and fun and everything else. And we just need to rebuild that. I have nothing better to do than save the world, do you? I don't. Uh, oh, and I have some info on stuffing versus dressing. While most New Englanders and the majority of West Coasters refer to the dish as stuffing, about half of Texans and the majority of Southerners call it dressing. I did not know that. Weird, wild stuff, pretty good. That was Johnny Carson. That was a Johnny Carson impression. Did you get that? Got that? Okay. Weird, wild stuff. I did not know that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Jacob says, we have been right about pretty much everything for years, but far too many people still believe the cathedral's narrative. Uh, this is, of course, uh, a shout out to Michael Malice. The Steele dossier, Rittenhouse, obvious self-defense, Hunter Biden laptop, et cetera, et cetera. How do we deal with these people? Do we even bother? I address this one a lot, I don't know, I don't know. It's like the best we can do is keep saying what we believe, keep showing people. Oh, you saw something on CNN? Well, have you seen this video clip or could you maybe read this? And a lot of times they're gonna tell you to go F yourself, they're gonna tell you that you're a right-wing maniac, they're gonna tell you if you don't tow the party line that's being pushed by mainstream media, you're some sort of conspiracy theorist, then you're an Alex Jones obsessed QAnon follower or something like that. And you can either just give up or you can keep trying in, in little ways. Um, that's why I love what PragerU's done so much because um, they've, you know, by creating these little five minute simple, simple animated videos on basic ideas and getting incredible people 
to, to promote and host these videos. I've done a couple of them. Um, you can translate true, good, decent ideas and get them to people in ways that maybe they wouldn't get by just watching a cable news show or even just watching a guy in a jacket try to talk about politics or you know just reading a full book about these things. Um, so there are ways to break through, but it can be really, really tough. You know, one line that I've, that I've said many times that I do think works is when you're in one of these debates with these people and they're just, you know, they're gonna keep calling you a racist and they're gonna keep saying, no, no, Rittenhouse was a murderer and a white supremacist, even though the people he shot was white and there's no evidence he's a white supremacist. Or they'll keep telling you that the Covington kids were racist or Brett Kavanaugh's a serial racist. It's like, all you have to say to them, I think one line that, that somewhat can work is, hey, you know, what position do you hold that is against woke orthodoxy? Do you hold one position that's against it? And they'll have to think. And now maybe they don't, or maybe you can find them on something. Like, do you agree with absolutely everything that is woke? Do you believe in eight month abortions, which per pretty much all Democrats now believe, like the woke establishment certainly believes? Like find something that might work for them. And if you say to them, okay, now I found one thing, I found one thing that you disagree with these people about. What do you think they would do to you? And then you might get them to think because they know that they destroy people. And one of the things that keeps people in this constant uh, self-hostage situation, which is a little bit sort of like what I talked about with Bill Maher, is if you've run around and you've called everybody that's against you racist and hom a homophobe and a bigot and all of those things, if you've done this for years, well, now you know what's gonna happen to you when you walk away. I know it, I know it. I don't think I was ever fully, even when I was a progressive, I don't think I was ever a fully like they're all racist, but I'm sure I was at some level. I really don't even remember, honestly. Um, but I think a lot of these people, you call people racist for so long, then you have your red pill moment and you go, oh shit, oh shit. The people I've been calling a racist aren't really the racists. And then you start looking the other way and you go, wait a minute, you guys who only want black people to think one way, you guys who only want gay people to think one way, maybe you're the bigots and the racists and the prejudiced people because you prejudge. That's a tough hostage situation to negotiate yourself out of. The best you can do is give people room, give people room to get there and they will get there. And by the way, a lot of times it will just hit them in the head one way or another because they will one day, they will one day have some experience that will make it very obvious to them that they're on the wrong side. Either that or they can live life as a uh, eunuch clone. It's as simple as that. Uh, Sean says, Australia and Austria are already on board with not allowing the unvaccinated from buying or selling and, or even leaving their homes. Will this, totalitarian, will this totalitarian mentality spread throughout the rest of the globe? You know, it's really crazy what's going on in Australia. We've talked about that a bunch and there's tons of videos that you can see online, but why does our mainstream media never cover it? Does our mainstream media not think it is valuable to see thousands and thousands of people protesting against vaccine mandates and lockdowns in Australia, one of our great allies? Do they not think it's worth showing what's happening in the Netherlands or in France? Is it none of that worth showing and why are they not showing it to you? Do you think maybe they're not showing it to you because they don't want you to get any ideas and realize that you have some power and that you can stand up? I think that might have a little something to do with it. Uh, Austria seems to be doing some crazy stuff with lockdowns where now they're maybe arresting people who aren't vaccinated, like really nuts stuff. I think it's gonna continue to continue to spread, unfortunately. Uh, you cannot leave Canada. You literally cannot leave Canada if you are unvaccinated. Think about that. You can't leave the country. Not you can't get in, you cannot leave. That's kind of Nazi stuff, right? If you, you think if you said, 
to all of the Jews in 1938 Germany, hey, you guys can get going now. They wouldn't have been thrilled, but eventually they didn't let them leave, right? Then they would put them on trains and they would kill them. Okay, so I know everyone makes the Nazi comparisons, but we are entering this weird territory. Why wouldn't you let people leave your country? Jordan Peterson, who I had on last week, mentioned that his father's not vaccinated. He doesn't like to be pushed into things. He's, he's an elderly guy, I think he's is in his early 80s, but he's made a decision for himself. He is now a prisoner in Canada, in a Western country, in Canada, in, in 2021. Think about that. Um, so yes, I think in certain countries, it's gonna keep spreading. And I think America, you know, we've got a spirit of freedom here, a, a, a wariness about government here. We've got guns here. We've got uh, the chance to turn this around. Like it all comes down on us. Like if America goes down on this, the Western world is done. It's all on us and it's all on the red states right now. And uh, that, that gives you some work to do, right? Uh, stack attack, not shark attack. Stack attack says, gonna be less serious today, although I think you could do a whole show to cover this. Tony Soprano, dead or alive? Ooh, I like this one. Oh, it's the last question too. Uh, Tony Soprano, dead or alive? So for those of you that did not watch The Sopranos, probably the greatest television show in the history of television. Oh yeah, what's better? What are you nodding at? What's better than, House what? House of Cards. House of Cards, uh, kids. Um, Sopranos, best television show ever. Did you even watch Sopranos? You didn't even watch it. Oh, for God's sakes. All right, we're gonna have to. That's it, now you're definitely not getting avocado. You're not getting guacamole on the Chipotle today. Um, Sopranos, okay, so Sopranos was a spectacular, spectacular show. It ends, and again, I guess if you wanna pause this or mute it, because I'm about to tell you the ending, but if you haven't seen, I think I have a 10 year window on when the show went off the air, but it ends in a spectacular fashion with Tony and Carmela and the kids meeting at Holston's restaurant. Uh, it's just a little diner type restaurant in Bellevue, New Jersey. I've actually been there. My friend lives a couple blocks away. I've sat at the very table. I know those of you that have seen the ending know this exact table, the exact moment. They sit at a table in Holston's and they're having this conversation and they play on the jukebox. They play uh, Journey, Don't Stop uh, Believing. And there's a moment where you see some kind of shady people walk in and it's like, what's about to happen? You know, a lot the, the Jersey, New York war has happened. A lot of the main characters die in those last two episodes. And it's like, is this the ending for Tony? And the show just goes to black. And they, David Chase, who was the creator of Sopranos, did this so brilliantly because he, I love the ending. I know a lot of people that Sunday night on HBO, a lot of people were not happy because it wasn't perfectly conclusive. Did Tony Soprano just get shot? Is that why it went out to black? Or, is, or was it paranoia when he was sort of looking at these shady characters? Or why didn't you give us the perfect answer? But I absolutely loved it. I loved it. It was just like, whatever you think happened, happened. So what do I think happened? I think he probably got shot. And I know David Chase has talked about this and I'm actually not sure that that's what he said. Um, but like the idea that like he was just sitting there in a beautiful moment with his family. They're sitting at their little diner, local diner. They're listening to a great Journey song. And then it just ended because a lot of bad stuff had happened in those last episodes. And there was a guy who walked in, it looked like he was going to the bathroom, but he kind of glanced at Tony and he looked like he was maybe ready to do a hit. Just a great, great ending. What a great show. And I'm docking your pay for telling me that you didn't, haven't watched it. Have you watched it? You watch it, all right, thank you. All right. Guys, part one of my interview with Candace Owens shot on location at her studio in Nashville, at the Daily Wire studio in Nashville. We
we did it a little bit off her set. It's a really fun interview and just watching Candace's, uh, you know, climb into stardom has just been spectacular. Part one is on YouTube and Rumble right now and the full episode is already up at rubenreport.locals.com and on Blaze TV. And tomorrow we are live with Harmy Dillon. Is it, uh, so we're not, it's not a panel tomorrow. It's just, oh, fantastic. So tomorrow, all of your questions about Kyle Rittenhouse, all of your questions about OSHA and the mandates, any other legal stuff, uh, we're gonna knock out a full episode with Harmeet. She really is, is one of the people that is just fighting on the front lines, a great, brilliant lawyer, fighting, fighting. And uh, you know what, I'll try to get some of your questions in uh, if you want, which again, you can submit at rubenreport.locals.com. All right, great day. I'll tell you more in about a month and uh, have a good one. See ya. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.